Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. John 1 verse 17 declares the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. As Christians, we need to live our lives knowing and understanding the incredible grace of God and the all-encompassing truth of God found only in Jesus Christ. It is only in Jesus and through Jesus that we can have these incredible blessings. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 1 and look at the overwhelming grace and truth in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is Friday morning here in Texas. Hopefully y'all are doing well, loving on Jesus and just um, spending time with Jesus growing in your relationship with Jesus, living your life for Jesus. We had an incredible Bible study last night, and uh, we were discussing the, the parable of the shrewd manager in Luke 16. And let's just be shrewd. As Christians, we have the light. We have the understanding. We have insight into the Word of God. And it, us as Christians, we know that this life matters with regard to the next life. We know that we're going to heaven based entirely and completely based on what Jesus has done and trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. But our reward in heaven, that, that's going to be dictated about how we live our lives. And we're going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account of our lives. And knowing that, let's be shrewd and live our lives just just using the time, talents, and money Jesus has given us more and more for the advancement of the kingdom of God and for the glory of God, the glory of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, for the advancement of the gospel, for the benefit, you know, live our lives in the name of Jesus, blessing God's people. So thank you, Lord Jesus. A wonderful Bible study. Good job, everybody. Yesterday, great job, Peyton, my man, Cash, and I just... Just all y'all, just uh, just a good word yesterday. So thank you, Lord. Today we're gonna do uh, we're gonna continue in the book of John. Um, we're gonna do Lord willing five verses, uh, verses John one verses fourteen through eighteen. Uh, the Gospel of John chapter one verses fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. So we're gonna go ahead and pray. We'll invite the Lord into our time, and we will get rolling. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you. We bless you. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you for the incredible living word of God. Thank you for the scriptures. We thank you that we have the scriptures, the foundation of our lives, Lord. The word of God and the son of God, the son of God, Jesus Christ, and the word of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy, your love, and your grace. We thank you for becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us, and dying a perfect death for us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. John 1, we're going to read 14 through 18. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. 
He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 14. You recall in uh, the, the book starts in John 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, verse 2. When it says the word, it's speaking about Jesus, okay? Jesus, God the Son, the second member of the Holy Trinity, he's called the word here, okay? Um, and it says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus Christ took on a human form. God the Son, full-blown, almighty God, willingly became a human man, willingly took on human flesh, entered the world as an infant, right, born of the Virgin Mary. And it says he made his dwelling among us. God, in human flesh, came and lived among us. Only biblical Christianity has ever thought ever considered such things. As C.S. Lewis stated um, when he studied all the other religions that, that only in biblical Christianity, C.S. Lewis said, could he find a reality that was not conceived in the mind of man. Think about that. C.S. Lewis, um, one of the most profound and greatest authors of all time, who was an atheist, became a uh, a Christian, and then gave his life. Um, I would recommend all of C.S. Lewis's books. Most people know him for the Chronicles of Narnia, his children's books, which are amazing, but he also has dozens of adult books that are just tremendous. Um, if you haven't read Mere Christianity, if you haven't read The Screwtape Letters, if you haven't read The Great Divorce, um, if you haven't read The Problem of Pain, um, if you haven't done the Space Trilogy, the three novels by C.S. Lewis, um, uh, Out of the Silent Planet is the first one. Paralandra is the second one. And That Hideous Strength is the third one. I recommend everything he does, right? Um, he is probably my favorite author, and his insights are profound. He's hard to read um, because it's so deep and so meaningful and has a very high vocabulary. But... You know, his impression on the Christian world has been, it's unspeakable. Um, and he made the point, as someone whose gift was in language, and whose gift was in understanding language, not only the English language, but many, many languages, he had read thousands and thousands of books. And C.S. Lewis said he could see, in every other religion in the world, he could see the imprint or the mind of human beings. He could see the hand of, of man and woman on every other religion. He was saying that he could see that every other religion was invented and came out of the mind of man. But then when he studied biblical Christianity, 
And when he read the scriptures and when he came to truly understand the scriptures in the Bible, he said it was the only thing he had ever recognized that clearly did not and could not and would not have ever come out of the mind of man. And obviously, biblical Christianity is the one religion that came from God, right? Uh, it started in the Old Testament, right? Where God promised the coming Savior, a Messiah, to save us from our sin. And obviously, in the New Testament of the Bible, Jesus Christ is on every page. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, this idea of God becoming a man, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Um, only in biblical Christianity do we have a solution to the problem of the sin of the world. I was reading a, an amazing, um, well-done teaching yesterday um, um, just that I subscribed to. And uh, this man was articulating just, just perfectly um, how only in biblical Christianity only in biblical Christianity do we have a solution to the sin problem. And that's what we have as human beings. We have a sin problem. We have a debt to God. Every human being has a sin debt. And because of that sin, we're spiritually dead. Because of that sin, we have no light. We have no understanding. And because of our, of our we actually have a sin nature. And because of that nature of sin, we have no understanding on light and we can solve no problems. We can do nothing. But in biblical Christianity, God, the son, Jesus becomes a human man, lives a perfect life on our behalf, dies a perfect death on our behalf and is alive and risen. And the word of God promises that if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you'll put your confidence in Jesus and trust him, knowing your need of him, knowing that the scripture says God has given his word that you and I are desperate sinners, hopeless. There's nothing we can do. But if we put our faith and trust in Jesus and call on him, as Romans 10, 13 says, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If we'll do that, if with a genuine heart, you'll call out to Jesus, knowing your need of him and ask him to come into your heart. If you just pray, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a, a sinful person. I know I can't save myself, but I believe that you became a human man for me, lived a perfect life for me, Jesus, and died on the cross for me and, were, and was punished for me, Lord. And I believe you are alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I do ask you to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Remember, it's not those words that save you. It's Christ that saves you. But if that's how we become forgiven of our sin. That's how, that's how we receive Jesus into our heart. And when that happens, Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in us and gives us life. And all this begins to make sense. And in John 1.14, it says, The word became flesh. That's why he became flesh. That's why he became a man, so that he could live his life on our behalf and die a perfect death on our behalf. And when we receive Christ into our heart, all of our sin, past, present, and future, is credited to Christ at the cross. It's paid for by Christ at the cross. Jesus 
pays our sin debt. Every sin we've ever committed or will commit goes to Christ at the cross. And the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived when he walked the earth. That righteous life is credited to us by God. That exchange, all of my sin and disobedience and selfishness taken by Christ and paid for by Christ, and his perfect righteous life credited to me, that incredible exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. And again, as C.S. Lewis said, never would that have been conceived in the mind of, of human beings. It's absolutely the most incredible thing clearly given to us by the triune God. So it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that's why he did it. We just explained. John goes on to say, we have seen his glory. John is proclaiming, this is the apostle John who wrote this book, that he was an eyewitness. We have seen his glory. This whole thing is real. Jesus Christ is real. The triune God is real. All the isms, atheism, agnosticism, all the other religions, it's only biblical Christianity that's true. We have seen his glory. Okay, John is testifying as an eyewitness. He's not lying. He has seen it. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. And if you're reading your Bible, you'll see one and only is capitalized because it's speaking about Jesus who came from the Father. Okay? Again, we have a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus leaves heaven, enters humanity, takes on human flesh. And John says we're eyewitnesses of it. We saw it. In our physical lives, we saw and comprehended the truth that this is full-blown God in human flesh. We've seen it. It's true. It's real. Give your life to Jesus today. And if you're already a Christian, start living your life for Jesus more and more and more. There's, there's nothing of more value than that. There's nothing worth more than that. I have my uh, clock here, and it, uh, it tells me how long I've gone, so that's what I was doing there. Okay. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. Look at this. Full of grace and truth. That's how verse 14 ends. Full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. You're going to see now in verse 17 where it says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, God had given the law to the Jewish people, right? Now, the law never saved us. It was never meant to save us. Even in the Old Testament, Jesus was prophesied. And it was said in, in the books of the Old Testament that a Messiah would come. And by putting your faith and trust in the Messiah that would come, you were forgiven of your sin. In the New Testament, we live in the time where the Messiah has come 2,000 years ago. So you and I put our faith, we look back to the cross and put our faith and trust and reliance in the Messiah that has come 
for our salvation. In the Old Testament, they put their faith and trust in the promised word of God that said the Messiah would come. So the same cross, the same Jesus, the same Savior, the same God the Son saves us all. All right. Before the cross, in the time of the Old Testament, you looked forward to the Messiah and put your faith in the Messiah that would come. You and I in the New Testament put our faith in the Messiah that has come. The cross is the central point of all human history and all salvation for all humanity for all time comes through Jesus. Obviously, that's a whole teaching in itself. The point of it all is that in Moses, you had law. In, in, and that was temporary to guide the people. But the ultimate fulfillment of everything is Jesus Christ. Again, we, we've skipped to verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Once Jesus enters onto the scene, no longer are we governed by the law. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, it's still good to follow the Ten Commandments. Of course, it's still good to obey them. But it's only in Jesus Christ that we can have our sins forgiven and live a life of obedience to God. It's only in Jesus Christ and through Jesus living in us and being one with us and only through the grace of Jesus Christ that we can be saved from our sin and ultimately do anything in obedience to God. Does that make sense? The glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. When I was studying this, Charles Spurgeon had made the point, you notice that in Jesus, the grace is full, right? The truth is full. It's only in Jesus Christ that you can have the fullness of the grace of God. And it's only in Jesus Christ that you can understand the fullness of the truth of God. Without Jesus, you can't do anything, right? You remember Jesus said, with me, you can do all things. Without me, you can do nothing. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We need both. In the church today, we, we have gotten imbalanced, okay? Um, the grace of God is, is, a, is, is, a, is a gift that we cannot overstate the importance of it. But equally important as God's grace is the truth. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can get imbalanced on one side or the other. In the church today, oftentimes we hear an immense amount about the grace of God, right? And I'll say again, it's important we understand the grace of God. But it's equally important we understand the truth. And sometimes we can get too weighted in only talking about the truth and not really getting an understanding of the grace of God. We need both. Okay? We need grace, obviously, first. It's by grace we've been saved. Right? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works that no one can boast. Right? Um, it's God's mercy and grace that saves us. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. So we come into the kingdom of God. We become children of God by the grace of God, right? But then we need to spend our lives knowing the truth 
and walking in the truth, being empowered by his grace. Bam! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Golly. All right. Verse 15. John testifies concerning him. So now we've gotten back to John the Baptist. This is John the Apostle, remember, that wrote this book. But he's consistently referencing John the Baptist in these, uh, in these first three chapters. Verse 15. John testifies concerning him. Okay. So John the Apostle just testified in verse 14 that, that he had seen his glory along with the other apostles. But before John the Apostle saw his glory, John the Baptist saw his glory. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, verse 15, this was he of whom I said, this is John's testimony of Jesus. This is John's testimony. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Pretty interesting testimony. John the Baptist, and if you do a study on John the Baptist, Jesus, again, as I've said in prior teachings, speaks of John the Baptist and said, there's never been a greater human being in history than John the Baptist. You got to go to heaven to find someone more holy than John the Baptist. Uh, you got to be a heavenly being to be greater than John the Baptist. That's how how profoundly godly John the Baptist was. Now, even John the Baptist needed Jesus as his savior and knew him as his savior and trusted him, right? Um, but this is what John testifies. No greater godly man or woman in history than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, this was he, Jesus, of whom I said, he who comes after me. John was was six months older than Jesus, right? You can go to the account in Luke chapter one and you can see when Mary goes and visit, visits John's mother, Elizabeth, uh, John the Baptist jumps in the womb, right? They're cousins, right? It's exciting. Um, this was he of whom I said, John said, he who comes after me, meaning Jesus was born six months after John the Baptist. But John says, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. John is showing his understanding that although he knows that Jesus is six months younger than him in earthly years, um, Jesus is eternal. He understands that he was before me because Jesus existed for all eternity, God the Son. Look at that verse, John 1.15. John testifies concerning him, Jesus. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. You see it? Bang, bang, bang. Right, Corinne? Does that make sense? You see that, Leah? It's, it's amazing. Verse 16. This is, this is powerful. From the fullness of his grace... We have all received one blessing after another. Wow. From the fullness of his grace, May, we have all received one blessing after another. You ought to memorize John 1 verse 16. You know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But you ought to know John 1.16 too. 
from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Memorize that, Chloe. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another, Scott. From the fullness of his grace, from the fullness of the grace of Jesus. And notice again, that grace is full, right? There's not like a little bit. There's not a medium amount. It's not three quarters. It's full. From the fullness of his grace, we all have received one blessing after another. That's the verse. Memorize that verse. John 1, 16. From the fullness of his grace, Tom, we have all received one blessing after another. I, I like blessing. I do. Do y'all like blessings? Do y'all like being blessed by God? That can only happen through the grace of Jesus Christ. Do you want the blessing of the triune God on your life? Then give your life to Jesus today, wherever you are. And if you're a Christian today, Give your life living for Jesus, right, Melanie? Loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, forgiving for Jesus. Because it's from the fullness of the grace of Jesus, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Any blessing you ever received in your life has come from the fullness of the grace of Jesus Christ. As we were saying yesterday, I believe it was Cotton yesterday that said, good job, that, uh, you know, we owe everything to Jesus. You remember we talked about that Jesus created the universe. By his grace, you have a world to live in. You have a body to house your spirit and soul. You have air to breathe. Everything we have comes to Jesus, not only in the, the spiritual, but in the natural. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the, for the fullness of your grace, Lord. Father, I ask you to forgive us where we have so consistently not understood the fullness of the grace of Jesus Christ. Help us to understand the incredible grace we have in Jesus and help us to walk in that truth, Father. Thank you, Lord. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, right? In the Old Testament, right? They were given this law. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, right? The law was pointing us to Jesus. It was ultimately always about Jesus, and it is always and only about Jesus in every way. Jesus is all that matters. Do you know Jesus today? Are you walking with Jesus, Anna? Are you pressing into Jesus and wanting to know Jesus? For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You need both. We don't only need grace. We need truth. We don't only need truth. We need grace. And all of it comes only through Jesus. This is what the Bible teaches. It, it's an incredible gift. It's not intolerant to say this. It's the greatest expression of love because it's, it's what the Bible teaches. God has given his word. The Bible is the living word of God. It's alive. It's the truth. It's the manual the triune God has given us 
for life on earth. And it's given us the truth of not only this life, but the next life. And it says that grace and truth come through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. That's what it says. So it's not intolerant to say that. It doesn't mean we don't love everyone. We already said John 3.16 said, God so loved the world. We love everyone. But we love them by pointing them to Christ. Because that's the, the only love that's ultimately going to matter. The Bible tells us that without Jesus, no one will see heaven. The only other place is eternal hell separated from God. The Bible tells us that only in Jesus can our sins be forgiven. The Bible tells us that only in Jesus can we have relationship with God as our Father. Only in Jesus can God the Father become our Heavenly Father and we become his sons and daughters. Only in Jesus can we have any understanding, any insight, any light. The Bible says in Romans 8 that, that if you don't have the Spirit of Jesus, you can't even please God. You can't please God without Jesus. So it's the most loving thing we can do as Christians. When I say as Christians, it's not just a pastor's job. It certainly is your job if you're a pastor and you get paid to do this, right? As I do. But everyone, it's our responsibility, Tom, Jesse, to, you know, guys, just to, uh, and gals, just to, uh, just to talk about Jesus and lead people to Jesus, and of course, live for Jesus, right? We want to consistently talk the talk and walk the walk. You want both, right? I remember I've told a testimony. I was traveling in the Northeast, and a lady came. I didn't know her. I was getting a coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, right? And I walked in, and the lady said, I said, how are you today? Is Jesus blessing you? And she said, I know Jesus is my Savior. She was a middle-aged woman. I'm fire for Jesus. And then she got somber. I said, what's wrong? It's the first time I met her. She said, well, people at my church were telling me to, to stop talking about Jesus so much and to start living for him. I got so mad. I said, okay, everybody that's telling you that is wrong. Okay. Don't ever stop talking about Jesus ever. Okay. Keep talking about Jesus. Keep talking to talk. But of course, Start walking to walk more. Start living for Jesus more. Repent over sinful aspects of your life. Don't ever stop talking about him, okay? Part of walking to walk is talking to talk. If you're not talking about Jesus, you're not walking to walk, right? And the lady did confess that, you know, that she had some things in her life she needed to put in order. Well, amen, put him in order. But don't ever stop talking about Jesus, ever, okay? Thank you, Jesus. See, I did worked up thinking about it. Forgive me. Um... It's a powerful testimony, okay? So that expression, don't talk to talk, walk to walk, altogether unbiblical, okay? We need both. Just like grace and truth, you need to talk to talk about Jesus all the time and walk to walk about Jesus all the time. If you're struggling with your walk, don't stop talking about him, but repent and start walking with him more, living for him more, loving for him more, giving for Jesus more, forgiving in Jesus more and for Jesus more. And if you are walking the walk and you're not talking about Jesus hardly at all, we'll start doing that some more. We need both. The Christian life is a life of consistently talking about Jesus and walking your life living like Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus and forgiving for Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The woman started crying. Tears were coming down her face. 
because she felt liberated to keep talking about Jesus. Yeah, there's nothing better to talk about. What are you going to talk about if you stop talking about Jesus? What is worth talking about besides talking about Jesus? Don't ever stop. Everyone needs to talk about Jesus more. Everyone. Eight billion people in the world. Everyone start talking about Jesus more. All right, verse 18, let's wrap this up. No one has ever seen God. That's a heavy statement, right? John 1, 18, no one has ever seen God. Someone claims they've seen God, they haven't seen him, because it says no one has ever seen God, right? God has chosen that we're not allowed to see him in our natural eyes, right? Matter of fact, he told Moses, you got to turn around, get in this rock right here, because if you see me, you'll, you'll, you'll disintegrate. You'll die. You'll become unmade. There'll be no more Moses. You, you can't look at me and live. No one has seen God. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only. Now he's talking about Jesus again. Look at that verse, man. It's just, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only Jesus, who was at the father's side, he's seen him, has made him known, it says, because he's with him from the beginning. He's with him. For all eternity, the triune God is, have existed from all eternity. And look what it says. No one has ever seen God. You can't see him today. But in Jesus Christ, you can know him. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only Jesus, God, the son, who is at the father's side, has made him known. It's only in Jesus you can know him. It's only in Jesus you can know the Father. It's only in Jesus you can have relationship with the Father. Jesus has made him known. Do you know Jesus today? And if you have received Jesus as your Savior, are you spending time with Jesus? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? Are you talking about Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? Are you spending time in the Bible? Is your foundation in the scriptures, y'all? There's nothing more important than this. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only Jesus, God the Son, who is at the Father's side, have made him, has made him known. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your incredible grace. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for becoming a human man for us, Jesus. We thank you for living a perfect life for us, Jesus. We thank you for dying a perfect death for us. We thank you for the scriptures, the living, incredible, eternal word of God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we, as we go out. Help us, Holy Spirit, to talk the talk and to walk the walk. To walk the walk and to talk the talk more and more and more and more. Help us, Holy Spirit, to love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in word and in deed, to more and more know his truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.